Lead me to some soul today. Oh, teach me. Welcome, everyone, to episode number 38 of a series of episodes that we're calling Leading Others to Christ. Uh, those of you who have been listening and watching, you know that during these episodes, we focus on evangelism. And one of our goals, quite frankly, is to stir us up, to stir us up to love and good works, especially in the area of reaching our family, friends, and neighbors with the gospel of Christ. My name is Dan Barker, and I preach for the Creekside Church of Christ in Franklin, uh, Indiana, where I also serve as one of the shepherds. For those of you that don't know, Franklin is about 20 miles south of downtown Indianapolis. Uh, so that gives you a ballpark idea there where we are. Those of you that know me also know that I'm passionate about our topic today. I'm passionate about evangelism. I have been ever since I obeyed the gospel when I was 21 years old in, in Owensboro, Kentucky. Uh, and I really have. I, I've been striving to... Uh, to learn more about this, uh, and I'm still I'm still a work in progress. Uh, you can you get I think you can be an old guy and still be a work in progress, but uh, still learning. And we've learned so much uh, on these episodes. And uh, but uh, but I've always been striving to to teach others to use some Bible phrases to teach others to sow the seed, uh, to learn how to be a fisher of men and and women, uh, to make disciples to persuade men and women, and to teach others to teach. I, I see myself more uh, as a teacher than I do a preacher. But I really like what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 2. And the things you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men and women, of course, who will be able to teach others also. And then later in the chapter, he used this language, uh, encouraging Timothy to be useful for the master, prepared for every good work. So with that background, those of you that know already, I, I came up with this idea of doing interviews. And with all the COVID mess and everything going on, I've learned how to, with Matt's help, learn how to do Zoom. But I, I wanted to find out who are the Christians out there, the men, the women, the elders, the deacons, the, the, the preachers, the, the members in the congregation, uh, who are they? Where are they? How are they doing their work? How are they setting up studies? And just to talk to them and, and see what we can learn so that we can be better equipped to do this work. So we're really excited today to have with us somebody you're going to be able to learn a lot from. And I really mean that. And I want to encourage you, as I always do, not if you're driving, but if you're at home and get out a piece of paper and pen and uh, take, be ready to take some notes. Uh, but our guest today is Gardner Hall. Welcome, Gardner. Great to be here. You can see it's cold here in New Jersey, but uh, we're, we're doing well. <laughs> oh, I hope you don't freeze to death before we get through with the interview. Yeah, well, this is uh, a light shirt to be in this cold, but anyway. I uh, know. Uh, we were reminiscing a little bit there before we started uh, today, and uh, we, we were trying to figure it out. Gardner and I first met, uh, and I met his wife, Beverly, uh, long time ago back in uh, when they were students at Florida College and I was the basketball coach there but we figured out uh, when we first met I was probably around 27 years old and he was 18 so we looked different then Gardner 
I think we look the same now pretty much. But one thing, I still have to stifle this instinct within me to call you coach because when I met you, you you were the coach of the little school when we went to there. But you know what? Don't don't even hesitate. I I I still like it. So don't that's all right. Coach Coach Barker. We're we're on the same wavelength. Yeah. But listen, thank you so much for taking the time to do this today. And uh uh we always start out with what I call like the old elevator pitch or a short bio. You know, a lot of people know who you are, Gardner, but then there's a lot of people that are listening that uh, that are maybe not familiar with you. And just like most people don't know me, but uh, uh, share with everyone uh, just uh, where you for, start with where you were born and a little bit about uh, how you learned the truth and uh, and where you are today. It's a lot to cover there, but uh if you could do that for us, Gardner. Okay, we'll try to keep it short. Uh, I was born here in New Jersey. The accent doesn't say New Jersey because I was raised all over, but my high school days were, were in Alabama. So I've got a mixture of accents from all parts. When I'm here in New Jersey, they know I'm not from here. When I go to Alabama, they say, where are you from? Uh, but anyway, uh, <laughs> born in New Jersey. Uh, my parents were Christians. My dad is, is a preacher. His name is Sewell Hall. Some people may know him. Um, lived as a boy overseas with my parents. Lived four years in Nigeria, but mainly raised in, in North Alabama. Uh, I've lived in uh, Kentucky, lived in Mount Sterling, Kentucky. Uh, then we went and lived in Argentina for a few years, and that helped me pick up Spanish, which try to use as, as the best I can now. Then we've been here in New Jersey since 82. It's hard wow. to believe. And we've worked we, to establish congregations in New Jersey and also in New York City. Uh, right now, I work with a Spanish-speaking congregation that meets in Fairlawn. There's an English-speaking congregation there as well. They meet in the mornings. We meet in the afternoons. Then I work in, uh, in West Harlem, the congregation of West Harlem in New York City. Uh, that's been limited a little bit by the COVID-19, but we still make it Sundays there. And that's where uh, Roger Polanco, I think you've had Roger on here and uh, worked there for a while with Caleb. Caleb's now in Brooklyn. So the New Jersey, New York City area, we live out a ways. We live an hour and 10 minutes away. So it's not like we're in the middle of the urban world where we live, but we try to, uh, to encourage brethren there and work with them as much as we can. Well, thank you for uh, bringing us up to up to date here. Uh, so I, I, that's why I like you. I guess you lived in God's country a while when you were there in Kentucky. We love so Kentucky. I, I L8, they're around Lexington. I still miss my L8. There you go, L8. That's right. Uh, you know, uh, it's just uh, these interviews have been so interesting for me. Of course, I've known you for a long time and uh uh, but a lot of the people that I've interviewed, I've never met them in person. You know, met, we've met this way, uh, but I've developed a lot of new friends. And one of the, uh, we'll talk about this toward the end of the interview, but one of the, uh, I guess, blessings, if you will, of uh, social media and all the technology that we have today, that you and I can sit down and do this with, I'm, I'm in Indiana and you're in, in New Jersey. And, but uh, let's start out with this, the next thing. Why it might seem like a silly question, but I th- I think it's important. Why do you do what you do, Gardner? Why of all the things you could have done in your life and your career, why are you so passionate about leading others to Christ? Well, I 
I think the best answer is that uh, I could see God's grace working through my dad and uh, others. And I would like, as a boy, I would like to sit at the table and just listen to my dad talk with other preachers about how to reach the lost, how to uh, preachers who were going here and there trying to preach. And it just kind of stuck with me that here is uh, something that, that can fill our lives and glorify God and uh, very imperfect at it. And uh, as you said, we still learn and still have a long ways to go. But I would say just being around my dad and other preachers who are with them. And then that's been intensified through the years as I've come to know many good people, whether they're supported or not, but who dedicate themselves to, to proclaiming God's word to the lost. Well, uh, again, uh, so good. But uh, another thing that kind of motivated me to want to do this, this series of uh, interviews too, is that, and I don't want this to sound negative, uh, but I just, this is all based on just numbers, real documented numbers. Uh, I have an article that, uh, that was, uh, I might've told you this the other day when we were talking, but it was actually dated, it was Associated Press article. Uh, and it was on, uh, in April, on April the 30th of 1960. Ironically, my birthday is April 30th. So don't forget, right? April 30th. Not 1960 though. No, 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 not <laughs> 1960. But, uh, but uh, the title of the article was Church of Christ, Fastest Growing Church in America in 1960. And I thought, wow. You know, and I don't remember seeing somebody that was in uh, actually Dempsey Collins, uh, some of the material he put together years ago. And uh, I thought, isn't that something? Can you imagine if that would be Associated Press article today or a news headline somewhere that the Church of Christ is the fastest growing church in America? You know, so it's like, you know, it just, to me, it's like, well, what has happened? You know, and we know we know a lot of the, the internal fighting and the different things that happened in the 50s and 60s. And but I guess where I'm going with this, Gardner, is that Another reason why I wanted to do this is trying to stir people up again is that to me right now, there's just huge number of opportunities to reach out and touch people and a lot of stress in, in, in the world right now. And uh, people need God. They need Jesus. And uh, they don't know. They, they don't know what we know. And uh, so don't you think we need to be stirred up? Absolutely. One thing I will say, I think when the article said Church of Christ, the fastest growing group, it didn't have in mind what is the real Church of Christ, which is God saved people throughout the world. They were looking at the church as a kind of a, a, a collection of congregations or an historical movement, and that's not the Church of Christ. However, I think we would be uh, naive to say that there isn't a, a group of congregations that we feel comfortable working with, and we see different congregations around and there are problems in some areas. In some areas, local congregations are growing and are highly evangelistic. But in other areas, I think maybe in the small towns more than anything else, we see uh, congregations kind of becoming um, uh, not, not growing as they should, uh, I think, and um, stifled. And so that is a concern. And also, I think even some of the congregations where they're growing, it's more of a kind of a keep house type of mentality rather than a reach out into the world mentality. And yeah. so 
not speaking of the Church of Christ as in God's mind, but of con- some congregations we know, yes, there ne- there's perhaps not as much numerical growth now, and maybe that's because there's not as much spiritual growth in some areas, and that's a generalization. Some areas, some areas they're growing, but in many areas they're not, as they should. And I'm glad, I'm glad you clarified it there. What I didn't say that exactly right because you're right. And and we've had the, the number of people that we've interviewed, they're growing. I mean, uh, and a lot of a lot of energy, and the people are are uh, really reaching out in the community. But uh, but in some places they're closing their doors, and uh, and the church is shrinking. And and uh, but it's uh, that's why we need to have continue to have the zeal. Uh, you know, it's just like the language you read in the New Testament. Of course, it was after Stephen was killed. and But it says that they went everywhere. They scattered from Jerusalem and they went everywhere teaching the truth. And another place it says that they were turning the world upside. They were on fire. And uh, uh, but anyway, that's why I like to talk to the Gardner Halls of the world to see how he's doing it. You know, one thing. Sometimes, brother- sometimes I am not. Uh, on fire as I should either, but uh, it's talking with people like you and hearing these type of things. It helps us stay on fire. Well, uh, it helps me. I know that. And, uh, but you know, uh, another thing that uh, I start to say that's unique about you and it's not, you're not unique with this, but you have learned and become extremely articulate in Spanish. And, uh, and the major focus, as you said a few minutes ago, of your work right now would be in the Hispanic community, right? I, most of my time, yes, is, 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 is with Spanish. And, and I make, still make a lot of mistakes with it, but I can be understood. And that's the main thing that's important. Well, you can speak Spanish. I, I speak Kentucky. So <laughs> I don't, it's, it's different. But no, well, I speak different. three languages, English, Southern dialect, English, and Spanish. But anyway. Uh, but you know what? It's... Uh, it, it, this has come up in a lot of the interviews too. Franklin, Kentucky, uh, Franklin, Kentucky. There is a Frank. Franklin, Indiana has little less than thirty thousand people. Um, uh, you know, rural area here. Uh, you know, like I said, south of Indianapolis. But the, you know, the community here where I'm working is entirely different than the community there where you're working. And what would you say are some unique things about where you're working there? Well, I'm working mainly northeast New Jersey, though I lived in northwest, uh, but a lot, and this is good in a way, there's, it's just um, probably more so than Indiana, it's very diversified, you have not only Hispanics, but different Hispanic cultures, sometimes we say Hispanic and we think of one big conglomeration, but you have your Central American, your Mexican your uh, northern South America and your southern cone. And then there's still there's some people from Spain that show up. So there's all kinds of different cultures. I compare it to the differences in between English speaking cultures. We have Australians. We have Southerners. We have North, we have English. We have Scottish. That's the same thing in the Spanish speaking world. The, the formal language is pretty close. But when you are speaking among yourselves, the language is completely different as it is with the differences between us and Australians, for example. Well, yeah, just the, uh, just the, I was talking to uh, Ethan Long Henry from uh, LA the other day. And just think about that, of, of the community that he's in there with uh, four plus million, whatever it is. And you got the, all the millions up there in your, your part of the world. Um, but then, and then just to be uh, doing the work that you are, when did you, do you remember when, like, when did you say, I want to learn Spanish and, and really, uh, you remember the thought process there that was going on? 
it goes back to my boyhood and, and preachers coming to our house. And that too is particularly stand out in my mind. Jerry Earnhardt's preached in Switzerland. Of course, he spoke German. And uh, that he got me to thinking about learning another language. But then Wayne Partain, who is still alive, he's 94 and still going strong. But he spoke Spanish and began to encourage me in Spanish and started taking at that time. Uh, there was a paper called Along the Border. It was in Spanish and English where they talked about the work primarily along the Texas border. And it just at that time, I remember we didn't even have Spanish class at the little high school I went to. But I bought some records and started listening to Spanish, studied in college under Brother Copeland, Spanish, very stickler for the much a stickler for the grammar. Yes. And something I somebody says, how long did it take you to learn Spanish? And the answer is, I'm still learning it. Still learning, yeah. Still learning it. Uh, but you, you get enough where you can have a handle, you can teach a little bit. And then the, the further you go, you start getting some of the nuances and the colloquialisms and things like that. But it's a lifelong process. And I'll always have my gringo accent. I try to iron it out as much as I can, but it's still there. <laughs> Your gringo accent. Yeah. I like that. I like that. But you know what? It's uh, I really commend you for that because you uh, it's like everything in life, whatever we're doing. But you you made an extra effort to learn to do that. I mean, you, you right. You I mean, you, you say you didn't have it in school. So you went and bought the tapes and the things to listen. Uh, and we can learn to do that uh, and uh, to be able to help uh, you know family and friends that are Hispanic or whatever. But in, in our you know, I've seen this a lot, too, even in our area. Uh, where I am now, the, the culture is changing. Uh, I think it's because of uh, immigration and a lot of things are going on in our country. Your communities are changing and you're seeing different different people with different backgrounds come into the area. And, and that brings up, let's talk about this. Uh, with that, and especially not just especially where you are, but all of us, how do you go about teaching? I, I'm, uh, you know, what, what method do you use? And uh, uh, methods of teaching others. I know you wanted to talk about that a little bit, uh, but one thing you mentioned of simply reading the Bible uh, to teach the law. So you, you want to talk about that, Simon? Sure. Uh, first of all, you have to get the contact, and I, I found that the brethren in the congregations are the best ones to get contacts for you through their friends yeah. and others. But once you have someone who says, I, you know, and we offer them, would you like to read the, the Bible with us? You'd like to read portions in the Bible uh, there are some very uh, much formatted types of lessons that have, that have done some good through the years and uh, get people to studying the Bible. But I, I, I see nothing better than simply saying, let's read the Bible together. Um, there's a brother named Glenn Jones, who, who, who this is in the 70s, who, he, along with Jerry Earnhardt, came, the idea is read through the book of Luke and Acts. One little problem with that that I found is that when you're reading the entire book of Luke, you may go four or five months before you really get to what people need to do to be saved. Right. I read portions of the book of Luke. Well, you have to start with Jesus. I generally read portions of the book of Luke, uh, not the whole book. And I'd say sometimes you can use take the rest of it some homework, read these other chapters that we're not reading together as homework, and then get to the book of Acts where you see how people put into practice the things that Jesus taught, but just reading and asking leading questions. Tom Holly encouraged me and I learned from him to just ask simple leading questions, not like you're a prosecutor, but, but that's, right. that's kind of the approach. Well, uh, just uh, to reminisce a little bit. I know when I was going through the process of, uh, 
of learning the truth. Uh, uh, you know, it was just uh, people were giving me things to read and uh, I was doing as much as anything to prove them that this can't be right. <laughs> I'm going to show you this is wrong. And the more I studied, the more I looked, it's like, oh, wow, it's right there. It's right there in black and white. And one of the fellows that, that spent some time with me teaching me, that's what he, uh, George Pinnock was his name. Uh, but George, uh, that's what he had me do. We started reading in Luke. I can't remember where he shifted over to Acts, but he didn't, go, we didn't go all the way through Luke. But, uh, but you know, but uh, so when you bring that, when you mention that, that brings up uh, part of my past, that that's what was done to help me to see the truth. That's um, it. So I, I think, you know, and, and again, it's like the ones that are listening to this that are, you know, hopefully they're saying, you know what? I used to do that. I don't know why I've quit. I need to, or I, I want to learn. You said, I want to learn how to speak Spanish. I'm hoping there's going to be people that say, I want to learn how to, to lead others to Christ. I want to, and, there, and there's a lot of tools out here that are brethren. You obviously we, the Bible is the main thing is the thing, but there's uh, all kinds of tools that people have used. Like, like you said, reading a uh, part of Luke and Acts and, uh, but we're, we're getting those ideas as well. Uh, I want to jump in here. I mentioned Beverly earlier. How's she doing? She's doing well. Uh, she's had some health problems recently, but they kind of come and go, but they're gone for a while. So we're happy well, about good. that. Well, tell her that we said hi. And uh, let's just touch on this a little bit, because uh, I think sometimes we don't give our wives credit that they need for it. Uh, I'm not saying I'm sure you do, but uh, but uh, say just a word or thoughts about the role of the wife in, in the life of an, of an evangelist. Well, she takes care of me and she, she backs me up and encourages me. And one thing that's, that's tough for uh, she's a Georgia girl. <laughs> we love Georgia culture. We love Cracker Barrel. But here we are in New Jersey. Yes. And uh, so I'm thankful for that aspect that she's willing to live up here in the cold, as you see again in the background. <laughs> but uh, uh, she's 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 had to make a lot of adjustments. And I, I love her for being willing to make those adjustments to do that. Well, yeah, just uh, think of all the hours that she's had to while you're out studying and working with others when she's at home or doing other things. And I don't know, I just. I just I, I didn't start out doing that in the interviews, but I've been trying to make up for it by mentioning it. And uh, we really do need to. I know my wife, Gay, spends uh, has spent an awful lot of time helping me and working with me with uh, with all this work. Uh, children, uh, children, it, it's so important to and uh, teach and, and to work with our children. And uh, you sent me a little text and said, you know what? They grow up. So tell me your thoughts there about working in, in, with children. Okay, I've, I've got two daughters, and, and that's one little challenge. But we'll say this for another day. When you're working in Spanish, your kids don't speak Spanish. You go to yeah. one church, they go to another. That's a challenge. But children in general, I think that's one thing that kind of helped produce a little spurt of growth here, just giving a lot of attention to the children at, at the congregation and bringing in and having, and this is where Caleb and Roger were very helpful uh, serving as older role models. We had at one time, I think Wednesday night, I had like 40 kids and wow. the building did not hold them. And, wow. uh, but of course, many of them have gone into the world, but a good remnant of them have stayed faithful to the Lord and they've kind of provide the nucleus 
for the congregation in West Harlem right now. Uh, and I knew them when they're 10, 11, and 12, but the, the attention we gave them, the Bible teaching we gave them, and the role models we tried to provide for them, that's really produced as much as far as long-term uh, solidness in the work as, as some of the other things we've done. Well, you know, and uh, yeah, we could talk about that a whole other episode, couldn't we? Sure. Um, and then just think of the, uh, of the uh, compare that to the older Christians that you have there. Probably many of them uh, have obeyed the gospel later in life. Uh, certainly didn't have the background that you were blessed with, right? They didn't grow up being able to sit at the kitchen table with uh, and listen to preachers. Uh, or if they did, they were listening to people that were not teaching. They were teaching some, <coughs> probably some truth, but certainly not all truth. Let's talk about the social media and YouTube and those things and, and, and the opportunities we have there with that. As you, as you found out <coughs> yourself that this COVID-19, though it's been a curse in many ways, has been a blessing. As far as I'm concerned, it's just opened up all kinds of opportunities to teach brethren in places where I could have never gone. And every night... We, you know, we have uh, Zoom studies with brethren in, in uh, Central and South America. And uh, with them, it's not so much a matter of evangelism, but just trying to teach them some of the basics. One congregation in particular, I'd have no idea how they got a hold of me, up high in the mountains of Ecuador. But I just <coughs> love studying with, with them. And um, that's uh, most every Tuesday night we're with them. But opportunities to go places and reach people we could never have imagined before. So that's yeah. the, the big blessing. I want to interrupt you there. Did, I want everybody to hear, did everybody hear that he said that you have a study, a Zoom study every night with people and where you said Tuesday night and where'd you say Ecuador? Tuesday night's Ecuador. Every once in a while we have Friday nights off, but anyway, uh, most every night, but it's, it's, it's a blessing. That's what we're here oh. for. And, and, and here, here's the opportunity in our laps. Well, Jesus said to go into all the world, and now we've got the tools where we can right. we can do it by using this media. Yeah, it's uh, uh, and I, you know, uh, thank goodness I've got Matt helping me. But uh, uh, to learn these things, uh, I'm 74, be 75 in April. But uh, uh, just uh, the thank the excitement of learning all these things, and I and I, you know, every day I think Gardner, I think I've got it figured out, and they change it. They, they're always everybody's always changing the system, but uh, you know, uh, but yeah, to be able to use these tools is just incredible. Uh, would you tell us? I know with I call them conversion stories. I, I know you've got a lot, but is there one maybe that comes to mind of somebody that you study with and ended up obeying the gospel that? Who's somebody that, that you'd like to share with us? Well, I'll just share, share one. And if I, I, this is going to be two minutes, it sounds like. There's a young man and grew up in Patterson, New Jersey, rough and tough industrial town. His name is Herman. And he was into the drugs and the gangs and things like that. And his mother from Dominican Republic said, says, I got to get him away from that. So she got him out of Patterson, got him down to a little town in the Dominican Republic and uh, began to... Uh, he went through the withdrawal symptoms from the drugs and, and so forth. And I was invited to preach in the little congregation there in the little town where he was on a trip many years ago. They were taking videos. Everybody was watching the camera and the videos. And I thought, why am I here preaching? But there was one guy on the front who just was paying good attention. And when we were through, the fellow said, does anybody want to obey the gospel? He raised his hand. 
And somebody said, that guy is from Patterson, New Jersey. And I said, that's my territory. Oh, so wow. uh, he, when he came back to Patterson, uh, a friend, a mutual friend said, look, when he gets back, he's going to get back in with the old crowd. You grab him before he gets in with his old crowd. So she calls him. He's back. He's back. So I called him and said, Herman, you need to get with us. These old friends are coming around. And he says, they've already been around. What did you do? I asked him for a Bible study. Now they're leaving me alone. But anyway, that's the short story. And he's one of the pillars in our congregation now. So um, I guess when I think of a dramatic turnaround, there's another brother who was a communist guerrilla in El Salvador, who's now a pillar in our congregation. But in, in one minute, that's about the best I can do. No, that's, that's fine. You know, it's uh, it, we can fudge and go over a little bit, but you know, <laughs> again, look at the lesson there that so many have heard, but you know, we're not supposed to do this, but I'm afraid sometimes people do it. They'll look at somebody and go, they'll look at and say, look, that kid's a druggie. You don't even, don't even think, don't even think about approaching him with the gospel. Don't ask him for a Bible study or look at the color of his hair. Look at those tattoos. Look at the way he's dressed, right? And, and, and you, we, we're not supposed did Jesus told us not to do that. Right. That's right. We're, and, uh, go, go ahead. I'm just saying that it's, this, it's, a, it's a universal gospel. Some of the strongest Christians are those who've had the worst past uh, for mu- those who much is forgiven. They love much. And uh, that's what I found here. Yeah. That's so good like to end it with uh, what I've been calling the one thing. So somebody's listening and watching this and, and Gardner, you've got them excited. And, and, uh, uh, and they say, I want to, I want to do this again, or I want to start reaching out to others uh, uh, and talking to them about Christ. What, what would you say? There's more than one thing they have to learn, but what would be one thing that they need to focus on to either do or learn how to do? Well, you could say prayer, you could say a lot of things, but I'm going to focus on just try to love and be interested in other people, be concerned for other people, uh, be interested in their culture, their way of being, but that helps you to be interested in their soul. So love for the lost would be the short answer, I think. Absolutely. Well, listen, brother, I know uh, uh, it, it's, it's it's so cold there, but it really is cold out there, isn't it? <laughs> it is cold. But they, if you know the uh, backgrounds of Zoom, I'm not outside now, though it appears that way. But anyway, it is cold. I think you all may be colder even. <laughs> well, yeah, it's real cold here too. I was down in the yeah. teens today. But right. uh, but listen, uh, thank you so much. And uh, I've always appreciated and, and uh, respected you and Beverly and keep up your good work. And um Share this with others uh, that you think would be interested in in uh, our podcast here. Matt told us told me the other day that, that in the last ninety days we've had over five thousand people that have listened to the podcast. That is amazing. That well, it, it just it just blows me away. And in, uh, in foreign countries, and uh, and you've given us some leads of some folks that are in other countries, and we're going to follow up with them and hopefully be able to interview them. But but thank you so much, and we'll be in touch with you. If somebody wanted to reach out to Gardner, would you be willing to share some contact information that they could, that sure. they could reach out to you? Uh, the email is my name, Gardner Hall, the number three at gmail.com. Uh, Gardner Hall three at gmail.com. I'm on Facebook. I can't accept too many new friends now, but I can be reached there by Messenger, Gardner Hall. Those are probably the easiest ways to do it. 
We do have a Spanish web page. I'll just mention crecer.com, C-R-E-C-E-D, crecer, which means grow up. <laughs> it's from Second Peter. So check that out for any of your, or give that to any of your Spanish speaking friends. Uh, that's that's a, some brief contact information. Oh, that might be the that might be the best one right there. That's great. So, all right. Well, again, so good to see you. Glad you both of you are doing well, and uh, uh, we'll be following up with you in, in, in some way here as we go forward. But love you, brother, and keep up your good work. Thanks so much. And there's so much to talk about, isn't there? God bless. Thanks for the interview. Yes, sir. Melt my heart and fill my life. Give me one soul today.